Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greg Ehrenberg here with Adam Schur. It's another edition of the NBA Injury Report. This one, Wednesday, 11 games late. Lots of key players on the Injury Report. You guys are going to want to like this video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel because as much as we're going to try to cover everything as in-depth as we can right here, stuff is just going to end up changing. Guys are going to get ruled out. Guys are going to add to the Injury Report. All that good stuff. If you have any questions at all, leave us a comment in the, in the comment section below. I'll be answering those later on in the day. But I don't want to take up too much time here because we do have a lengthy injury report to get to. Starting with the Atlanta Hawks, John Collins has been out for Atlanta. And now we also have Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's missed some time. He is questionable on the injury report. Adam, what have you seen from the front court minutes and how it's shaken up with John Collins out of the mix? The big thing is that we have essentially been getting 48 combined minutes from Clint Capella and Oneko Okongwu with Capella in both games that Collins has missed, dominating those minutes, getting 30 to 31. He was horrible last night from a fantasy standpoint, but still played a bunch of minutes. Now gets the better matchup tonight. So um, I'm once again expecting close to 48 minutes, if not 48 minutes entirely between those two with Capella getting the bulk of those minutes. His salary hasn't really adjusted, so that looks really good. And then you also have Gallinari. Um, starting he played like 22 minutes in the first game played 32 last night I expect the wings in general uh, to just kind of be a hot hand situation but when you look at Gallinari Herter Hunter Bogdanovich assuming he plays all of those guys have the potential to play 30 well to play 30 plus Hunter could play close to 40 depending how the game goes Um, and, and so it makes them all look like decent value options yeah, Clint Capella ended up being a popular play last night. Like you said, it didn't quite work out. And there's some other plays that were popular last night that we're going to have to consider today. Looking at the Indiana Pacers situation, because Miles Turner, TJ McConnell, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, all out. Jackson and Brogdon were both questionable play earlier in the day, but they were ruled out shortly before we started the show. Now, the minutes yesterday I thought were pretty difficult to project, but there's some asterisks that have to come with what happened yesterday. First, Jalen Smith fouled out in like 18 minutes. You know, you can't play more minutes. He fouled out. Those things happen sometimes. Lance Stevenson, he was a very popular player last night. He was okay from a fantasy perspective, but didn't play nearly as many minutes, at least as what I had projected him for. Now, what are you taking from what happened last night with Indiana, and how do you apply it to tonight's slate? I think the big takeaways are in looking at the rotations. So, like last night, Terry Taylor played 32 minutes, but Jalen Smith only played 17. Taylor played almost every minute that Jalen Smith wasn't on the floor and they played a total of one minute, nine seconds alongside each other, I believe. So that tells me that like with somebody like Terry Taylor at 4,400, he's got a ceiling if he gets, you know, a bunch of minutes again. But the issue is that he very negatively correlates with Jalen Smith. So Smith, assuming he remains in the starting lineup, 
I think is likely to get back to 28 minutes or so barring foul trouble. And it makes him look great. What you can do is assuming Jalen Smith's also going to get a lot of ownership. If in an individual lineup, you're looking to leverage against that Terry Taylor makes a lot of sense, but um, I, I don't think you can be too confident in Taylor's playing time after last night, because almost every single minute was with Jalen Smith on the bench. Similarly, Lance Stevenson is just going to be a volatile option. I, I think, um, and, and I projected him for like 26 minutes yesterday too. Um, I'm not saying that like I was right and people were wrong, but like I, I think people kind of got a false sense of security because he played 32 minutes in the game where Duarte went down. But one trend we've seen with Stevenson this year is that Indiana seemingly tries to find like every alternative to play somebody except for Lance Stevenson a lot of minutes. They've had a lot of opportunities this year to play Stevenson more if they wanted to. Even going back to the game before Duarte got hurt, they were still shorthanded. Stevenson managed to play 12 minutes. So I still think the playing time is really volatile. I think a lot's going to depend on how he's playing. But you should pay a lot of attention to the ownership here because he's 3,800 on DraftKings. He's a great point per minute guy even if he plays 20 minutes he probably does fine at 3800 and if he's playing well and gets to 26 or 28 minutes it doesn't take long before he's somebody that you like have to have in your lineup yeah and he he certainly plays for our fantasy teams even though he sucked last night if i remember correctly i think he played with some like eight and a half minutes in the first half and took seven shots when he was out on the course so he goes out there he's chucking he's trying to score fantasy points just sometimes it doesn't happen but uh hopefully that'll at least reduce his ownership share today make him more of an appealing fantasy option after people were maybe a little gun-shy to go back to him after what happened last night. Uh, the next situation, another one that was also important for last night's late, Marcus Smart and Robert Williams. Marcus Smart got hurt during last night's game, wasn't able to finish the game. Robert Williams was ruled out prior to the game. Now, both of them are doubtful today for all intents and purposes. I'm assuming they aren't in action. Who are the good plays from Boston for this slate, assuming there is no Smart or Robert Williams out there? So I think Derek White jumps to the top of the list. Uh, he's 5,800. He played about 27 or 28 minutes last night, but that game obviously was a blowout. He didn't play in the fourth quarter. He did start the second half, though, so I'm assuming that he starts in place of Smart. He's a .9 to 1 fantasy point-per-minute guy, has a good matchup against Detroit, and just is a little bit underpriced here, I think. I also assume you're going to get Grant Williams in the starting lineup again. He's still only $3,200. That opens up a lot. He played 26 minutes in three quarters yesterday. You could conceivably get 30 to 32 minutes from him tonight against Detroit. Um, haven't heard anything about Daniel Tice. He's not He's not on the injury report, so I'm assuming he's playing for now um, after playing about 20 minutes last night. If he were to be ruled out, it would make the Grant Williams minutes even more secure. But for now, I'm assuming he's in. And then Al Horford's minutes are more productive um, with, with Robert Williams out. He's 5,600. I assume he's playing around 30 minutes or so. It makes him look decent, although I think Derek White is the better option between the two. Yeah, and don't read into the minutes too much from what happened last That game was you know non-competitive midway through the second quarter we knew the outcome of that game so basically th the entire way through the Celtics were up like 30 to 50 points against the 76ers it was a blowout I think totally different situation there's a lot of value to be had here with no Marcus Smart or no Robert Williams next situation here to talk about the Toronto Raptors we know they've played a really condensed rotation this year Fred Van Vliet is questionable now when they traded a first round pick for Thaddeus Young I assumed the Toronto Raptors were trying to spread out their rotation and get extra guys out there Said it seems like Thaddeus Young is even in the rotation. I don't know what the point of getting up a first round pick was for him. He played some minutes in garbage time uh, last game. That was the only time he's got on the court since being traded to Toronto. He seems like a non factor. If there is no Fred Van Vliet for the Raptors tonight, Adam, where can we look amongst these other guys? Because we know that Nick Nurse likes to play the guys like Siakam, Ananobi, as many minutes as they can handle. 
Yeah, I mean, my assumption is that Achua would replace Van Vliet in the starting lineup. Um, that's what they've done in the past. Now, the last time that happened, Achua still only played 13 or 14 minutes. So it doesn't necessarily mean that he's you know, a lock or anything like that. He is 3,300. He could conceivably get like 22 minutes. Um, but the other issue is that he's been really bad when he's played alongside Siakam this year. His rates are just awful. Like he's averaging 0.7 fantasy points per minute. So that combined with being center only, and combined with the fact that 22 minutes is certainly not a guarantee, like he could just play 14 again, um, makes me not really interested in going there. It does boost Pascal Siakam, though, assuming that Van Vliet's out. His his assist percentage jumps. He becomes the de facto point guard. You also get a massive usage bump for Gary Trent Jr. Um, Ananobi and Barnes, you know, obviously look a little bit better if Van Vliet's out. But this year when Van Vliet's not on the floor, it's been Gary Trent that just starts chucking up shots. And so it makes him look a lot better as well. As far as the other front court options, you could take a shot at somebody like Chris Boucher. Um, he does typically get more minutes when anybody on Toronto is out. Um, he played about 24 minutes last game. But to your point about that, he's young. He did play six minutes in the first half uh, last game as well. So he got up to 12 for the game. That makes Boucher, I think, at least like a little bit riskier because we don't know exactly how that, that rotation is going to break down. Similarly, uh, in the last game Van Vliet missed a couple of games ago, you got about 20 minutes apiece from Banton and Malachi Flynn. At 3K for Flynn and 3,100 for Banton, those are decent, like dart throw type plays, especially if value elsewhere doesn't open up. But Young could also have an impact on those guys because of the fact that Toronto is willing to just play these like lineups that are six foot eight across the board. They don't, they, you know, e even though they play different positions, Young could play more minutes and it cuts into some combination of Flynn and Bam. Yeah. And then, I mean, we'll also see because something that you'll probably agree with is. As of right now, if Red Van Fleet was to be ruled out and we were to start building lineups, those guys would look somewhat favorable. But then we're probably going to get a whole bunch of other guys get ruled right. out and there's just going to be better value plays that open up anyway. And that's something we're about to cover also because there are some very significant names on the injury report for tonight. Yeah, like the point I made on the strategy show this morning was like, if value doesn't open up, then sure, you can hope to get 20 minutes from one of those guys. But if, for example, John Morant is out, you shouldn't be looking at hoping to get 20 minutes from Banton and saying, oh, this is comparable to Tyus Jones. Let me go there instead. Like, they're not even remotely close. All right, here we go. I pull, I, I pressed the button too quickly. Now I can do the read for real. If you guys have not signed up for Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, you can do so clicking the link in the description box below. You head on over to Yahoo, make a deposit, enter a contest, get yourself one free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. They find all the tools you need to build winning NBA DFS lineups. And for a night like today, heading into the All-Star break soon, we just have today's slate and tomorrow's slate. It's going to be important. There's a whole bunch of guys on the injury report. You're going to want to see projection updates. You're going to want to see different changes in players' projected ownership because all that stuff is going to move a whole bunch as we get into All-Star break and teams are looking to be conservative with players that are uh, banged up a little bit. So I want to talk now about somebody you just mentioned. That's John Morant. He is listed as questionable to play. I kind of thought he was going to end up playing yesterday. That obviously didn't end up being the case. And then just in exchange, I ended up with 100% of Tyus Jones yesterday. I don't really see a way around it. If John Moran is out today, I'm going to want to play a lot of Tyus Jones again. Started yesterday. Remains cheap. Crushed yesterday. No Morant. Would you be looking at Tyus Jones again? Yeah, of course. Um, I only got to like 80% yesterday. And even going into the slate, I was like, this feels like a mistake. But um, he just easily becomes like the best value option. He's only 3,100 barring injury. It's almost impossible for him to truly fail at that salary. Like if he scores 18 to 20 points, you're not fantasy points. You're not going to be happy about it, but he's still opening up so much else in your lineup on a slate where there's a lot of stuff to pay up for. And more realistically, he's going to score close to 30 points. And like he projects for close to 10 X uh, his salary. If Morant is out, 
He's averaging about going back to last year. He's averaging about 30 and a half minutes per game in the games he's played without Morant. He averages around 0.9 fantasy points per minute. That's just um, as close to a lock play as you're going to get. Yeah. And then I think somebody else too, Jaron Jackson Jr. He sees a massive usage bump when there is no John Moran on the court, leads the Grizzlies in usage. What do you make of him only playing 25 minutes yesterday? I know a lot of people point to, oh, well, Triple J gets in foul trouble a lot. He's only fouled out once since December 15th. He wasn't in foul trouble yesterday. Uh, what do you think we see from him from a minute standpoint about Moran? Because that was a little bit of a head scratcher yesterday. Yeah, it was kind of surprising. Um, I, I typically I just project him for around 28 minutes. Um, the the problem we've had with Jackson this year, and I don't even mean this like as a negative toward Memphis, because obviously they're doing a lot of things right there, and there's probably a reason why this is happening. But in the past, it was always if Jackson's in foul trouble, he doesn't play a lot. But when he's not in foul trouble, you're getting north of 30 minutes, and it kind of averages out. A lot of times this year, the issue has been even when he's not in foul trouble, for one reason or another, he ends up playing like 26 minutes or 27 minutes. So you can't even count on him getting um, substantial run when he's not in foul trouble. But at the same time, the rates without Morant and Brooks um, are, are insane. He's played 494 minutes without either of those guys on the floor this year. He has a 33.1% usage rate and has averaged 1.33 DraftKings points per minute. Gets a good matchup tonight against Portland. If Morant's out and Jackson only played like 26 minutes, he would still be like fine at 7,100. And then, you know, the games where he does get 30 or 32, he's probably just going to destroy that price tag. Uh, similarly, Desmond Bain, uh, was not very good last night, but he benefits as well. Um, 1.13 DraftKings points per minute without those guys on the floor this year. Yeah, another one where I don't even know what to make of those minutes. Like I said before, the game was, it wasn't like a one possession game, but it was relatively close and they just rode the bench for a lot of the game. Maybe it's because it's a back-to-back. They're heading into the, the all-star break and they just felt they could give those guys a rest. But yeah. if there's well, no Moran, I would expect closer to 30 minutes from, from Triple J today. Yeah, and one one thing just to mention, I guess, about their rotation last night is they did give Jarrett Culver about 12 minutes, so they added another body. But at the same time, Zaire Williams only played 21 minutes as well. So it's not like it's a situation where um, you can't find more minutes for Jackson and Bain. Uh, they certainly could be there. More key names on the NBA injury report. Anthony Edwards, he got hurt yesterday, wasn't able to finish the game. He is listed as questionable. Considering that Minnesota is heading into the all-star break here, I assume they just give Anthony Edwards this game off. It's going to be their last game, then they get off for a week. It just seems to make sense to me, but we don't know that officially. I'm just making an educated guess here. If there is no Anthony Edwards for the Timberwolves, how do you see the usage shaking out between the other stars on the team like D'Lo and Cat? Yeah, I think it's a bump for both of those guys. Uh, Russell has a 26% usage rate this year without Edwards on the floor. Cat's at 34.2%. So I would expect both of them to get more usage, um, you know, their, their, their per minute production goes up probably. Russell's minutes, I think, become a little bit more secure as well. You know, he's somebody that um, has given us plenty of 36-minute games this year, but also sometimes you have to get those like 30, 31-minute games. If Edwards is out, I, I feel more comfortable with Russell playing a lot of minutes. And then also I assume that you would get Jaden McDaniels sliding into the starting lineup, playing a bunch of minutes at 3,500. He's not a great point-per-minute guy, but he is cheap. He is a Ford, and there's a lot more opportunity cost, at least right now, at the guard positions tonight than the Ford position. So um, it, it makes McDaniels look decent. And the next team to talk about, they normally aren't that impactful for NBA DFS slates, but the Oklahoma City Thunder are missing so many players now. Ty Jerome, SGA, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Mike Muscala, Kenrich Williams, Lou Dort. So we were already seeing pretty condensed minutes for this team, and now we're taking Ty Jerome and Kenrich Williams out of the mix. Also, I, I know Lou Dort missed last game, but he was healthy in some previous games before that. 
this Josh Giddy minutes restriction where they said they were going to hold him 30 minutes, that's gone. That thing doesn't exist anymore. That was a load of that was a load of BS. 39 minutes from last game. It went to overtime. But even if you take away the overtime minutes, he was still playing well over that 30, that 30 minutes restriction. So now what are we looking at from OKC? Because you look at the bottom of the bench and it's like, well, I guess guys like Lindy Waters, Paul Watson, Vit Krejci could get minutes, but I think we're gonna see pretty significant minutes for whoever starts from the Thunder today. Yeah, and even um, potentially some of the guys off the bench because we were just starting to get to where OKC was becoming a mess again because they were getting all these guys back like Aaron Wiggins and um, Isaiah Roby being in the rotation. But now when you take, um, you know, Williams out, Dort still out, you take out Jerome, that's 42 minutes in regulation from last game that are gone. And that's not even, you know, counting Dort. So I think it makes Aaron Wiggins still look like a good option. He started, played 34 minutes in regulation. He's 3K flat. He's about a 0.7 fantasy point per minute guy, but he also has guard and forward eligibility. So you can use him at, at small forward, which is a weaker position. Isaiah Roby started last game, even with Derek Favors back. Roby played about 22 minutes. I think you would expect 22 to 24 here. He's about a 0.9 fantasy point per minute guy at close to minimum salary. Makes him look pretty good. But then like Pogoshevsky um, only played uh, 20 minutes last game. I think it's pretty likely you see him get back to like 26 to 28 here with Kenrich Williams out. That's a lot of minutes available um, that Pogoshevsky can pick up. Um, I expect Teo Maladon to get more minutes. He played like seven minutes last game. I think he takes a lot of the, the Ty Jerome minutes. Um, so I think it's as bad as the team is. I still think it's a pretty appealing spot um, for for DFS because you're getting um, you know Wiggins, Roby, Pogoshevsky for cheap. You're getting, like you said, Giddy's minutes limit, obviously just bullshit. Um, and <laughs> Like even Darius Baisley's been playing really well. I think he's his salary is adjusted, but um, these guys should play a lot of minutes, assuming this game's competitive. All right, and finishing with the biggest name on the slate on the injury report, LeBron James is questionable matchup against the Utah Jazz. Now the Lakers, this is going to be their last game heading into the All-Star break, so maybe even more incentive to rest LeBron, just give him extra uh, extra time off. He's been pretty banged up this year. In the past, I haven't taken LeBron on the injury report very seriously, but he's missed a lot of games this year, and I think we could attribute that to him being 37 years old and still having to play a massive workload for this Lakers team to be competitive. But LeBron questionable, Avery Bradley out, Carmelo Anthony is out. What do you think stands out from the Lakers if LeBron is out, or is it really not that much relative to some of the other spots on the slate? I mean, relative to some of the other spots, I think it's not that much. Like, for example, if Morant's out, I think it has a bigger impact, mostly because the other players on Memphis are just a hell of a lot better than the other players on the Lakers. But it would still be a benefit for somebody like Anthony Davis, who's averaged 1.4 DraftKings points per minute without LeBron this year. He is center only on DraftKings, which sucks, and the matchup's not very good. But 9,500 is an affordable price tag. On FanDuel, he's more expensive, but he also has power forward eligibility, so he'd look better. Um, Malik Monk probably moves or, or you know starts and plays more minutes, gets more usage. 5700 in this matchup though i would still have a hard time saying he's a priority but he would certainly look more playable same can be said for somebody like horton tucker but i think really it's just my interest level in anthony davis increases yeah i think that's all reasonable tough to trust russell westbrook at this point the cheaper guys in the lakers they've been a total crapshoot and it's a matchup against the jazz that isn't really quite ideal that a, is a point guard to... that can't shoot and has to oh. score at the rim going up against rudy gobert what could go oh. wrong <laughs> yeah nothing at all especially uh, just uh, kind of curious now before we finish off, when do you think is the last time Russell Westbrook scored over 50 DraftKings points? At least two months ago. 
December 31st. He's yet to do it in 2022. I didn't know. I just looked it up really quick because I was thinking about it as we were talking about it. I was like, it's been a long time since I've seen Russell Westbrook in an optimal lineup. That's why. He hasn't had a good game in forever. I was thinking about it as I said it. I didn't like, I don't even throw in the like Russell Westbrook has a high ceiling caveat anymore because like it just doesn't exist. No, he has fallen off in a big way, at least before. You know, there's been times where he wasn't good from a real life standpoint, at least relative to how I think the public rates him, but he still had a lot of fantasy upside. Just hasn't been there this year. Let's see, where else? So he had the, now I know I'm just kind of dragging out, but now I'm interested looking through his box score. So he had the 55 fantasy point game December 31st against Portland, 60 against Houston. Has he had any games over? Yeah, one game over 60 here, November 26th against the Kings. The downfall of Russell Westbrook. When Russell Westbrook can't even accumulate stats anymore, you know he's right. reached the end. Yeah, I mean, so, like even in the games this year where LeBron's been out, um, Westbrook's averaged one point three three DraftKings points per minute, which, like, obviously that's good. But still, if you assume he plays thirty six minutes and produces at that rate, which against the Jazz you would expect it to actually be lower, it's still like forty eight DraftKings points at eighty seven hundred. So it's kind of just like who cares? Yeah, and the minutes have been all over the place because right. uh, he's no good, and he's at odds with Frank Vogel. Every every quote he gives to the media is some backhanded comp, uh, some backhanded thing. Oh, you know why my back hurts? Because I'm not used to sitting on the bench this long. Who knows how he could fix that issue? Just always trying to angle for more playing time. Let's see what else. Russell Westbrook. Did he actually say that? I missed it. Oh yeah, yeah. When when he when he um, when he first hurt his back, I'm looking to see if there's any other good game. He his high his high point of the season. 69.2 fan, 69.25 fantasy points against the Knicks. But yeah, that was Russell Westbrook. The reason his back hurts is because he's not playing enough minutes. All right, <laughs> play, play better. Then you'll get more playing time. All right, I dragged down the Russell Westbrook talk for too long there, but is the end of the show. Whatever, what does it matter? If you guys stop watching, it is what it is. Like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you guys have any questions at all, leave them in the comment section below. Good luck tonight. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.